Studios. In Hollywood, this. this is the ToadHopNetwork.com. A place of our own without a lot of parents peering down our backs. Radio worth watching. Aruba's a long way away. Uh, I'm in Newfoundland, <laughs> from Aruba. I was with the Prime Minister of Aruba yesterday in his office. <clears throat> I'm tired. I'm in Newfoundland. It's a long way from Aruba. Jerry the King's got a heart attack. I just did a, uh, when I was a kid, <laughs> I was, uh, oh geez, working for a guy named Emil Dupree, and uh, they had me living in, in a YMCA, someplace in Moncton, and uh, I remember Don Leo Jonathan, he was a wrestler, uh, he used to be on uh, Spanky in our gang, and also John Wayne kicked him off the set because he looked too good. Uh, he was a Mormon fella. He was a good savant, and, and he was a fast drawer. And uh, I used to play the harmonica for him as we'd drive down the roads here in uh, New Brunswick. And he was fast enough that if you had a, a pistol leveled on him, uh, he could draw and get a round off before you pulled the uh, trigger, before the hammer actually fell. He did two-thirds of the uh, underwater welding in the world in Alaska, and uh, he was in Montreal one time. Some guy tried to come to the ring, and boom, he kicked him, and uh, the guy was off for three days. Police told him that uh, if he died, he was going to be charged for murder. Uh, I was there when uh, Salem, Salem, Oregon, uh, he slammed Andre the Giant and blew a disc out, and I think that's what ended Don Neil Jonathan's career. He's a great guy. <laughs> uh, then uh, I, I was here for... Uh, Oh, I'm, I must have been, I had a driver's license, so I must have been 16, 17, and I was here for a guy named The Beast, Rudy Gay, and they wanted to run this territory. It was always a summer territory, because uh, the winters are pretty harsh, and uh, I remember this one year, they tried to run it in the winter time, the very first time, and they had a, <laughs> they had a big, um, big steel long trailer like you know like you'd find in a trailer park and they let me live there for free but it was out in the woods and uh i didn't have anybody else so i went to a dog pound and i got a wolf but it was a she-wolf <laughs> and uh, uh so me and the wolf we lived in this uh long trailer and uh, started running the territory but like the wolf, during the nighttime, when I was sleeping, I'd wake up and the wolf's nose would be right next to me. And so I, I, I there was a, a butcher knife in the house, or in the trailer. Uh, so I slept with a butcher knife and a she-wolf 
long white hair. But then, as the territory was going, uh, um, the snow came <laughs> and washed all the crops away and covered the trailer. And uh, I woke up one morning and all the trailer was covered in snow and I couldn't get out of the trailer. And they closed the territory, but they just forgot about me. <laughs> and uh, um, <laughs> so I'm stuck in a, in a fucking trailer with a wolf and a butcher knife. And uh, there was some kind of commotion outside. Uh, and... The wolf now, there's outside, I don't really know what's going on, but I got my butcher knife, and uh, I find I'm pushing on the door, and uh, the wolf's getting wolfish, and uh, it was a bear finally outside, but the wolf took off, and uh, after the bear, I guess, or just to get away from me, and um, then... I finally dug my car out, and nobody ever came and got me. <laughs> I just, I just left and went back to Montreal. I think it was. Uh, the beast was. A, I don't know if you guys know the beast here. I'm with three gentlemen here. I'll get to them. Uh, Titus, Phil Atlas, and Tom T-Bone Hand. Uh, chance to give uh, three up-and-comers, uh, uh, you know, a voice in the world. But uh, I'll get to them there. Uh, there's a guy named the Beast. Do you guys know these guys at all? Yeah, I know. I'm talking beast. about, you know, the Beast? Yeah. <laughs> the Beast used to make me chew plug all the time. Ah, just like, you know, chew, throw up, throw up, chew. And they'd laugh at me as I'm throwing up. <laughs> you're on, you're on. I know, I know, I know. And uh, they told me a story about the Beast. When they were all growing up, like they all had farmhouses outside. Uh, well, obviously they're outside. Uh, farmhouses. It's early in the morning, okay. And um, the, there was one girl at the farm that kept seeing, uh, they, they thought there was a, uh, some kind of animal uh, at nighttime. And so they started stalking it. And one time, so they saw the beast uh, in the morning where the beast lived when he was a little kid. Footprints out his window. <laughs> and all the way to the uh, girl's house, I guess the beast used to go and Look in her window. <laughs> so there I am with a wolf. <laughs> uh, and he had percherons, horses, percherons, and one, and they're like big, like Clydesdales. And they brought me to their farm, and he goes, and those horses, boom, man, they paid attention, because beast would just level them with a hammer, boom. Um, he's a good guy. He's a good guy. It's a guy named Gamma, I think Gamma Singh or Dara Singh. I used to train in a YMCA with him in Moncton. I, I at that time I lived with Mad Dog Bashan. <laughs> Baby Jesus. And there was some place up here like they didn't have police security. And uh, I remember this one time there was Gypsy Joe, Cuban Assassins, Mad Dog Bashan, Joe LaDuke, Mad Dog Bashan. What they used to do is they used to have a TV in uh uh, out of Montreal, and the TV came into Newfoundland and and the Maritimes, and whatever the main event was, the TV was in Montreal, Emil Dupree or uh, Rudy Kay would book it, and it was a bar uh, chicken wire match with <clears throat> Joe LaDuke and Mad Dog Vachon. I had to live with Mad Dog Vachon. He's running one time wearing Shady Act, he made me run in construction boots in the ocean, 
And all of a sudden he stops and squats and all of a sudden this big log takes a shit and the big log comes out and dances around the log and goes, Mad Dog, good name for me, huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man, good name for you. Wolf. The toughest guy, street fighter, whoa. Take your eye out, pop your, pop your eye. So the, we went to some club and uh, the wrestlers before we got to the club that were, excuse me, the wrestlers that uh, whatever league was in that club, I got to make it up, six months earlier, uh, the people beat them up <laughs> and uh, and kicked all the wrestlers out. And Mad Dog heard about this. Uh, so, like, I was on the, I was a poom, and the card used to have, like, on the card, uh, it would have, like, the main event and uh, then a special attraction. But then at the bottom of the card, it had poom, P-O-O-M, which stood for plus one other match. <laughs> they didn't even put my name. <laughs> and that was me. And so, like, I went out, and, of course, like, these three young guys that I got here, I was dying to be seen and recognized and uh, try and get ahead in the business. So I went out for whatever, you know, got my ass kicked for 15 minutes, and I come back, and Mad Dog comes to me. He says, you, he used to call me. He had special names for everybody. My name was Cocksucker. <laughs> you, Cocksucker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you mean? <laughs> and he says, you put your street clothes on. You go out there. Nobody will recognize you. <laughs> I just spent 15 minutes trying to get recognized. You know, okay. I put my street clothes on. I went out there while the main event was going on. Uh, Mad Dog and Joe LaDuke, you know chicken wire matches sure as heck nobody recognized me <laughs> they could care less and so mad dog during this chicken wire match jeez man he i don't know how he really got out of the chicken wire but there was this one guy that had a, a black leather jacket and then a blue jean uh jacket cut off at the sleeves over he seemed to be the ring leader of this whole shebang and um Mad Dog, he's kind of going through the crowd, and he spots me, and he spots this guy, and he pushes him right into me, and he goes, Hit him, cocksucker! <laughs> okay, and boom, and it was on. And um, we cleared the building, uh, but outside the building, like if you're familiar with this area, there was uh, the rocks. It's not like gravel, round rocks. It's like pointy, thick, rough, rough rocks. <laughs> And uh, Gypsy Joe, like the the people started, uh, I don't know, it was like a uh, probably the first gang ever. <laughs> they kind of ganged up like the Bloods outside, and uh, Gypsy Joe uh, had enough of this. And one of the Cuban assassins had a knife, and Gypsy Joe grabbed it. And so we're coming out, and uh, there was some kid, I guess maybe he's 21, 22, maybe not, and he had a tire iron. And so as he comes out, as we come out, Gypsy Joe was first, and the kid seen Gypsy Joe had a knife, so he backs off with a tire iron, but because of the rocks the being jagged, he falls down, and damn it, Gypsy Joe grabbed him by the hair, and he cuts him. Holy cow, dumbass move. He cuts him right down the face and the cheek, and uh, then it was on, and uh, we were outside, but, you know, it's it starting to look a lot like the Alamo. <laughs> Uh, and the uh, Texans were winning. Uh, and they started rocks, and I hear, Hey, cocksucker! And, and here comes the keys. Get the car, cocksucker! And, and it was a station wagon, and I don't know how many people I hit trying to, <laughs> <laughs> to 
get the crew, and boom, and we were in, and wow, we were gone. Was that in Shadiac? Yes, in Shadiac. That's exactly where it was. <clears throat> you said that, and I just... Yeah. But I'm sorry. This is uh, Phil Atlas um, from Windsor. Um, let me introduce these guys. I should. Thank you. Uh, Titus from Moncton. You're yeah. from Moncton? Moncton, New Brunswick, yeah. Nice. Fun. Belly right up there, man. Uh, Moncton. This is where I... We lived in Moncton. There was some kind of uh, wooden hotel and the TV was in the lobby and there was a YMCA there we trained at. Yeah, it's probably... I'm not sure. ...been nuked since then. Town has changed. I guess, I guess. And um, I'm with us also T-Bone... Tom T-Bone uh, Han. Is that am I pronouncing that right? Yeah, that's perfect. Tom, and uh, you're actually from Newfoundland. Yeah, I'm, uh, I've been gone for about 10 years. I only moved back here a couple weeks ago. Nice, nice. I... <laughs> I remember there was a guy named, um, geez, Stompin' Tom Connors. Yeah. And you remember He's from him? here, yeah. He sings the hockey song, don't he? Yeah. yeah. I uh, drank Screech with him for about a week one night. <laughs> and Stompin', for you guys that don't know, Stompin' Tom Connors, like, real, <clears throat> at least was a real famous singer in this part of the woods. And, and he'd play the guitar and he'd stomp his foot so hard. That he'd stomp through stages and stuff, and finally they had to get a uh, um, piece of plywood every place he went and put it <laughs> under his foot, and he would stomp away and play songs. Screech is a uh, um, dirty drink. Is a dirty drink. <laughs> <laughs> Screech is. Uh, oof, I'm not sure what where they make it. They make it here is rum, I think. Is it rum? Yeah. And like it's tastes like kerosene. Oh, <laughs> that's stiff. Yeah. You know, I almost died, uh, you know, when I was young, and uh, he'd stomp, sing a song, some, uh, I'm trying to think of guys' like name. Good old hockey game. Yeah, <laughs> hockey game, and then, uh, however, the screech got in the equation, uh, I'm trying to think of who brought it in, uh, it doesn't come to me, it doesn't come to me, but just before I get to these guys, I need to clear some stuff up, um, I was in Aruba, with Jerry the King Lawler and uh, did a Piper's Pit with him. Um, and Jerry, uh, you know, has had a heart attack. I didn't know till last night. Um, I didn't believe it, actually. And, um, sounds like thank you very much. Uh, and my son Colt's here. Thank you. So I was in Aruba with uh, Jerry the King Lawler, and um, uh, I did a Piper's Pit uh, with Lawler, and uh, I turned on him. It was over CM Punk. Turned on him, meaning uh, the first night was Friday, and uh, it was like a two-hour Piper's Pit. The whole card came through, and I had Jerry kind of hosting it, and uh, I stole his crown. <laughs> put it on. I realize why he carries the crown, because it really looks dumb when you wear it. <laughs> but I wore it. And uh, then um, the next night we did a Piper's Pit, and I was kind of pissed off, because, uh, you know, the last Piper's Pit I did, um, I didn't exactly get rave reviews. <laughs> I didn't write that shit. <laughs> you did. 
So when I went in there, I just thought I'd just let it go. And I uh, I got all over Jerry's case about CM Punk. And um, I guess you guys can watch it someplace. Um, I tore him a new asshole. And uh, <clears throat> and then he left and boom, he's, he's had a heart attack. When I was coming here to Newfoundland, um, the last funeral that I went to, I did the eulogy at it, was Adrian Adonis's. And um, right now I just did a celebrity ghost story. I've never told a ghost story in my life because I don't really have any. And uh, it was about Adrian and we stopped, well, we slowed down anyway, where Adrian actually died coming here. Um, and I, with a celebrity ghost story, when it when it air, it's it's aired already. But uh, what they don't tell you in the in the episode was um, uh, my son's writing something down. <laughs> okay, got it. Um, so uh, get with it. Edit, and uh, so it's coming to Newfoundland, and we stopped where Adrian Adonis had died, and. Uh, when, uh, all back in like 83, 84, it was before the first WrestleMania, you know, the, <laughs> the people were going pretty hard, Morocco and Fuji and uh, Schultz and uh, Hogan and Orndorff, <laughs> woof, a cast of gunslingers. And uh, I was in Poughkeepsie, and we used to do three weeks of television in one day uh, in Poughkeepsie. And um, I'm running around... And uh, Adrian grabs a hold of me and tries to you know, settle me down. I was getting into trouble. And he said, you know what? You need to buy a house because I just had my first kid. And it's because of Adrian that I, I bought a house. I didn't, I didn't figure that one out. <laughs> and uh, Celebrity Ghost Stories, it was Colt, my son. Um, what we had, there was two guys that were stalking my, my family. One had done three years in the can and the other five years in federal penitentiary and uh, they were stalking my family and I couldn't get the police to do anything about it and uh, I had to take care of it myself they have a lifetime stalking order and I want one is they robbed a gun store finally and I think they're in jail in Mexico um, but I come home off the road and uh, you know I was phew, pretty gritty back then <laughs> as I am now and <laughs> uh, not much has changed now that I think about it and boom, and little Colt ran out um, because there was a man in the house, and I thought it was one of these guys. And I come, I come in there as a dad, pretty hardcore. And there's a long hallway in our house, and then there's a den with a fireplace. And as I came through the door, I came through the door to take care of this fella. And the fireplace was rolling, and there was a log that fell off, and uh, the place was starting on fire. And I saw Adrian. It's like he was taking care of me. But you can see that on the, on the story. But when I used to travel with Adrian, you know, he was an orphan, Adrian. And uh, he was convinced that I was his brother. When we were 22 years old in L.A., we uh, wrestled as the 22s. And uh, nobody really knew this. We had quite a history. Um, I remember Mil Mascaris one time in San Diego. Uh, Adrian just... <coughs> clubbed him like a baby seal <laughs> was going to take his mask off for the first time and had me run down to stop him like what am I going to do with him you know and now he's, he's always be working out 
eating tuna fish. He had like a horrible body and he had more stretch marks on him. Looked like a, his chest looked like, like a, I don't know, upper roadmap of New York State. <laughs> and, and you know, how do I look, Pipes? How do I look? Ah, oh, you look great. <laughs> you know, with a uh, little ass, huge chest, you know, big feet. But what a great athlete he was. What a great uh, technician he was in the ring. And um, when when we traveled down the roads, uh, we you know, death is always talked or was talked about a lot. I'm not really sure why. But I can remember Adrian saying to me, geez, Pipes, when I die, he says, I don't want anybody sopping and crying. He says, I want him to throw a party, and boom, he died. And at his funeral, um, it's the last one I went to. Uh, but I, I remember that. And they, they, it was a closed casket. Um, I don't know what the highway was. Do you know what the highway was when we came up here? I don't know the name of it, but I know Pass of the Overpass. Yeah. That doesn't really help me a lot. No, no. Uh, thank you for so saying that. the first that. time you've been here, though, right? Yeah, yeah. And uh, so I said at his funeral, I told them that Adrian didn't want no sympathy. But holy cow, a groan came out of uh, there. was a uh, curtain guarding his family. And uh, a groan came out of his wife. Oof. Of pain. So, um, so we slowed down. That's a, uh, that's a wrestler's, uh, you know, when you die in, in wrestling, they ring the bell ten times. And when they come to pay respects, you just slow down to 80 on the highway. I loved you, Adrian. Now, what the hell I'm doing in Newfoundland, I have no idea. <laughs> uh, not a clue. But, like, I kind of dig the idea. You know, anybody, I know there's a lot of, like, Adam Carolla's doing his podcast from all kinds, from, I think, the Improv in Irvine, and Joe Rogan has a great one that he does, you know. And, uh, I, like it in the, I like it in the blood, in the guts, in the mud. And uh, this particular podcast, like, you know, it's as honest as you get. So I'm just going to kind of, I'm going to play a little bit, but I'll just wrap this thought track that I had up with Jerry the King and his heart attack. Because uh, uh, I took CM Punk's uh, position and stood up for Punk uh, against Lawler. <clears throat> uh, and not knowing, I don't know, I hope it's not his last appearance. I hope he does great. But um, uh, but I got a tan. <laughs> I got a tan. <laughs> and uh, and I lived through a wolf and a butcher knife and a bear and the beast and Mad Dog was shot. I never finished. Did I finish that story? Yeah, I did. We took off. Yeah. <laughs> we left. <laughs> uh, so, kind of setting the floor up. Uh, Titus, were you born in Moncton? Yeah, born and raised in Moncton. And uh, did you finish school? Yeah, I finished school, yeah. yeah. So how did you get in the business? Um, 
basically Emil Dupree actually is the one who broke me in. So he's the one who trained me. I worked for uh, Grand Prix Wrestling <clears throat> for the first couple of years. Yeah. And uh, is Emil Dupree still around? Yeah, he's still around. Yeah, he's not running shows anymore. But <laughs> yeah. the last time he ran was 2008, I believe. He did. So does he still have? Uh, what would happen is, like I was on the first match, and then I think in this case Donnie Jonathan was on the, in the main event. And Emil Dupree, they get a 24-pack of schooner uh, beer, and uh, like each guy would have six, but Emil would, uh, when he popped the cap, he'd save the cap in his pocket. And then like if he had three caps and he had three more beers coming, <laughs> does he still do that? Oh, yeah. Yeah? We <laughs> <laughs> were actually joking about that. Yeah, we were joking about it the other day. You know, so one time, Emil Dupree and Donnie Jonathan are driving down the road. I'm in the backseat to popping caps, and, you know, it was sold out, and... Uh, so Emil says, uh, I don't know, John. He says, uh, I think I am deserve some of the credit for this house. And Daniel Jonathan says, Emil, you take all the credit. Just give me the money. <laughs> and he, he had me on the first match. And what would happen? So Daniel Jonathan, and I guess it was him. And then the first match and the second match would be in a tag team at the end. Do they still do that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. They still do that? Yeah. So how many times a week were you working? Uh, well, like you said a while ago, it's a summer territory. So uh, he, he'd run like three months out of the year, like during summertime. Yeah. And basically you work just about every night. It was a good gig for me because I, th I think I got 300 bucks a week. Maybe. And, uh, you know, it was a solid 300 bucks a week for X amount of weeks. So for me, it was a good gig, you know. Uh, still paying that? Uh, I, don't, I don't know what he was paying at the time. Um, well, I went in 2008, and that was his last tour. And I think I was getting close to 500 a week. Four, maybe? Baby Jesus. It's not <laughs> that was a while ago, though. I, like, I'm, I'm making a guess. <laughs> yeah, here. but I'm talking like 70s. <laughs> it's, you know, inflation, damn. Yeah. It's not much of a raise. But that's uh, what you're going through. And we were working... Uh, Five weeks straight with like only three days off in the whole five weeks. Yeah, yeah. So it was steady hard. work. It was great. Yeah, and a great learning ground. Mm. Yeah, perfect learning ground. You know, um, where did you start, uh, Titus? RT Bone, excuse me. Um, well, I left here because there was nothing to do around here. No work, nothing wrestling, nothing. I uh, started in Calgary. In Calgary? Yeah. Uh, I was trained by Lance Storm. And then okay. after I was done with him, I started in Stampede and then... Uh, northern Manitoba and stuff up to sure. Tony Candela doing a sure. lot of northern tours. Tony Candela. Oh, he's a character, cow. man. He's fucking crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Those are the guys that raised me. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, um, uh, why don't you just open that door there? Just open it. Um, so like the door of death there. <laughs> Jeez. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so, Phil, who broke you in? Uh, I started in uh, Windsor, Ontario with, at the Can-Am Wrestling School with Scott Damore. Scott Damore. Yeah. So Lance, Scott, and Emil. And Emil. Yeah. And you're still in the business. Yeah. <laughs> Why? <laughs> I'm not sure. Some I'm going on, I ask myself. I'm going on 10 years almost. You're going on 10 years. Yeah. How you doing? All right. Feeling yeah. it, you know, yeah. feeling a little sore, but... Are you getting booked regular? No, like, especially this year, it's really picked up. Uh, I do, like, I was wrestling for All Japan Pro Wrestling, 
All Japan? Yeah. Nice. Like in 2007, I went there. I was like an exchange program with K&M Wrestling School and the All Japan Dojo. Ah, okay. So I started training with them. And so Noki's still with them? No. No. Uh, no. That was a pretty solid <laughs> one. Yeah. Like, uh, no, you're fucking old. Uh, I got kicked out of Japan for life. Uh, really? Well, yeah, but that's not story. Um, so you, got, you did an exchange student. Program, yeah, like two of them came over to Can-Am Wrestling School with Scott, yeah, and two of us went over there. How long did you stay over in Japan? It was three months that year. Oh, baby Jesus! I had to pay my flight. I not, I wasn't guaranteed anything, and yeah. I just had to got guaranteed to train. And I eventually got on all oh. the shows, and I got invited back. So, good for you. That's hardcore. Yeah, the training. So you paid was, your flight over there. The first time I did, yeah, I had to. I was kind of paying to train there, basically, get my name out there. Yeah. And how many times have you gone back since? Every year, since 2007. I was just yeah, there good deal, good January deal. and February I was there. See, that's a good example of uh, a lot of guys who try to get into pro wrestling. They kind of sit and wait for it to come to them. And it doesn't work like that. I just had the opportunity and I jumped on it. Yeah. I was about maybe 22 at the time, 21, <clears throat> 22. Yeah. And I thought, why, why not? What else am I doing? It's a great opportunity. Yeah. They work uh, They work a little different over there than when I was there. I was there with... I was, Tag partners with Stan Hansen. Stan Hansen. Yeah, who can't see shit without his glasses. <laughs> he had that lariat. He'd come down, he'd beat everybody with a lariat, including me. <laughs> I'm on your side, damn it. And then uh, he'd go in for 20 seconds, blow up and tag. You know? <laughs> and, uh, you know, thank you. Then uh, I'd be in there with Anoki and Kobayashi. And they're probably not around anymore. Is uh, Fujinami around? Fujinami. Serious? No, huh? I don't. You don't even know the name. No. Well, wow. I work with all Japan. I don't. I like. Yeah. I, I'm pretty up to date with everything, but these names aren't really ringing a bell. Really? Because like, um, all Japan was Baba. Yeah. In the very beginning, and Anoki worked for Baba, and then Anoki broke away from Baba and started New Japan, and that's when um, Kobayashi uh, went with <clears throat> uh, with Anoki, Fujinami, and none of these guys. Huh? <laughs> Holy cow. No, I know that I know that some of the names are saying. Yeah. For sure. Like yeah. I recognize them. Yeah, as you go past the graveyard. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> gotcha. Um so you're working here for the summer? Here, uh being in New Brunswick? Uh no. Uh I just got booked for this tour and we've been here since when did we get here? A week now. Been about a week. And we're five shows every... in and there's two more to go. So been working every night? Yeah. Yesterday was our first night. day off, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you were clean or rough? A uh, little of both, I'd say. How about, how about you, Titus? Yeah, a little of both. What, whatever, like whoever you're working with, I guess, just figure it just out. Just adjust. Yeah. And T-bone? Uh, majority rough, just by the way I look. I usually get asked to do it, but I can, yeah. I've been working both ways now for the best. Which do you prefer? Uh, it doesn't really matter to me, because I like, you know, I like to learn and get more experience yeah. on both sides of the fence. That's interesting. Which, which way, way do you prefer, uh, What's that? Which way do you prefer, rough? Um, well, working on the indies, you're always, you never, you switch from, you know, baby face to heel. Yeah. You know what I mean? So you have to really? eventually, yeah, because I work for different places, you know, through Ontario, yeah. Michigan, you know, and everyone wants something different. So, but I'm I'm really enjoying being the heel these days. Like I'm really enjoying I'm really enjoying that. What do you, What do you work? 
Uh, I work uh, heel or baby face, but uh, I usually prefer working baby, which is a really? weird thing because a lot of Make the guys money. rather be <laughs> merch table. Stuff, but, uh, yeah, I work heel all all winter or uh, all summer actually. So that's interesting. Yeah. You see, we didn't have a choice back when I started. Um, did you when you started? Each of you uh, were you were you rough or clean? When you very first clean, started. I was definitely clean. Because I started in my hometown, so I was doing. I was the hometown guy, and it was gotcha, gotcha. Wow, I was rough right off the right off the hop because there yeah. were so many inexperienced t-shirt wrestlers around that yeah. as soon as I came into wrestling camp, they're like, "Oh, you're a train. <laughs> you're gonna lead the fucking match." I'm like, "Well, I just started, man." <laughs> t-shirt wrestlers, huh? Yeah, Is that what yeah. T-shirt wrestling. Nice, nice. Uh, and rough or clean. Uh, Titus, when you started, first started? Uh, I was rough when I first started, which, which was a bad decision because I, you know, like I had no experience, so I, it would have been way better for uh, for me to be clean and have someone carry me through the matches and stuff. But yeah, it was uh, the other way around, I guess. You know, uh, when I broke in, they made you work clean because. Yeah. Uh, and I'm a heel at heart. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm born. I suck as a baby face. I'm a born heel. But the reason it made you work clean is because then you understood where the guy was coming from. One, and two, you had to learn all the moves that way. So you knew all the uh, uh, the holds, reversals, etc. And also you were forced to um, condition, even when they didn't like you, you were forced Dude, like just in Aruba, um, I was talking about Jerry Lawler. <clears throat> well, you know, like both of us are Hall of Famers, and Jerry's in the ring. And the the, the night before, like, they had like a two-hour, fucking two-hour Piper's Pit. <laughs> and all the guys come, Nash and uh, Steiner, and who else was there? Yeah, Rhino. 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 Our, our buddy was on that Pit tour, again. too. Uh, who? Crimson. Good guy. Yeah, yeah, great guy. Great guy. Um, he was actually supposed to be on this tour, but he took that one. Okay. But I'm actually, he's the one who gave me the spot for this tour. Nice, great guy. <laughs> great guy. Um, Rhino, great guy. So they, but they all had to come individually. So I'm out there for two hours in Aruba, and the, you know the sun or the, the sand's blowing in your eyes anyway. So my point is, the next night, um, because I got such so much slack for the last Piper's pit I did. I got pissed off, and instead, you know, I'm supposed to come as this Hall of Famer, and I'm watching them blue cheer. I just fuck you. <laughs> and I just, all right, I'm here. I come, and uh, <laughs> Jerry Lawler actually said, "I don't know what's got into him tonight," you know, which is not really a Jerry Lawler line, you know. He's always, you know, like the first time he says, "I've had more people at a car wash," you know, and that kind of stuff. And uh, um, man, I really tore him a new asshole. I really did, and you can see it. But but my point is, what you guys are saying, whatever whatever happens on the day. Uh, but in the beginning, you were forced to be clean or babyface nowadays. I guess is the word um, to be clean because then you had to know how psychology wise how to control the crowd, and then you became whatever you became. Um, I guess they don't do that anymore. They try to. They try to. Yeah. It all depends on what they need on what card and who's available and, you know. 
Gotcha. All depends um, on the guys on the crew. So okay, so the point is then, ah, uh, there was tons of territories back there. You don't have that. No. No. So when you come, you got to fit the bill. Right. Unless unless they're running like maybe gotcha. a lot of any promotions will run once a month or once every few months. Yeah. You know what I mean, there's no like. What territories are the best territories for you guys in in North America? Just are there, are there any territories? That, it's hard to that, say. It's like I don't know. This all. one would be Newf Newfoundland. Yeah. yeah. Summertime in the Maritimes is really good. Maritimes, yeah. Gotcha. Other than that, there's not really. When I was out west, it was just sporadic shows yeah, in different exactly. towns and just long fucking halls in between towns. So you gotta you gotta book try to book dates close to each other because you, you got twelve hour fucking <coughs> drives in between. But there was no real. You remember El Tomco? I know the name. No. You didn't miss much. No. <laughs> they wanted me when I first started. I actually, he let me sleep in his gym, and he's pretty nice to me. But um, huh. when I first started, El Tomco, uh, you know, like I played the bagpipes. So he wanted me to dress all in pink and call me Pinky Piper. <laughs> Go fuck yourself. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that was about as much control as I had, though. The rest of it, I was pretty scared. Um... If there's no territories, and so like for those of you catching up here, uh, back in the day, uh, in the day, <clears throat> whatever that means, I get that from my son Colt. <laughs> oh, by the way, you know you're really ten, but you're in Newfoundland and you look the shits. <laughs> 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 Your eyes are all swollen up, and you're having a hard time on the road there, son. Thanks to you. Your old dad. I guess I cramped Colt's style a little bit, especially in Aruba. Uh, Cody Hall was there in Aruba too, and I could see them talking back and forth. And it's hard to get laid when Dad's around, is it? <laughs> Not that I, want, I don't want to know, to be quite honest. Nothing, nothing's easy when you're around. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. That'd be my son. Uh, I'll try to leave him here with a wolf in it. <laughs> and a trailer, you know, and a butcher, and I even see how you do. I was doing that to feed your scrawny little ass. I'll do it. I'll do it better too. <laughs> ah. Did you get that? <laughs> <laughs> See, he's born heel. Uh, I always have, and I always, I love being a heel. I hate being yeah. a babyface. It's more natural. Yeah, <laughs> thank you very much. Yeah. In other words, you're a real asshole. Right? <laughs> you went and got us out of bed. For, this, <laughs> for whatever it is you're doing here, <laughs> which you're not impressing us so far. <laughs> um, I, think it's, I think it's really cool, this, because... Here's a, here's a chance for the people, you know, people in all, all over the world listen to this thing. And here's a chance for people to, uh, to meet, like, real deal pro wrestlers of today. It's not the guys, uh, I got all the respect in the world for everybody. Uh, the guys in WWE, you know, nowadays they got massages and um, doctors and seamstress and lunch. You know why they got catering? Because in Poughkeepsie one time... I was, with, I was with Morocco, and we just got pissed off because they had us there from 11 in the morning to 11 at night, and we all just left because they wouldn't feed us. And so they started bringing pizzas in, and that was the beginning of catering. Oh. And <laughs> that's how we got catering. And so they're all catered to, but these guys here are like the meat and bones and blood of uh, professional wrestling business. And so I'm going to get into each one of them here in a little bit, and also I want you to... 
to know these guys and start appreciating. You know, once you get to the WWE, I don't know if everybody goes through what these guys are going through, but I know what they're going through because I've been there, and it's really, really difficult. Like uh, Phil said, he, you know, he went to paid to go to Japan. You know, I got paid to go to Japan, and I couldn't stand it. So I drove a taxi cab into a Korean barbecue because I had my fucking passport. I did too, man. You know, on those machines. Had <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> me as a young boy, just exactly what you were saying. Doing, you know, get up in the morning, thousand push-ups, thousand squats, thousand yep. sit-ups, and that kindo stick, and hit me, hit me with that fucking stick again, and we'll shove it up your ass. But I couldn't beat him. Uh, and so I got drunk one night because they had pop machines. Man, like you get beer out of it. Yeah. I was walking by and there was a taxi cab running and nobody was in it. <laughs> uh, but it was a fast cab and when I put it here, <laughs> whoa, and right into a Korean barbecue. <laughs> Pow! They gave me my passport back and uh, wish you were there. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and kicked me out of the country for life. I still haven't been back since then. What wow. year was that? Oh, jeez, man. Maybe 76. Wow. Oh, yeah. So, like, I did WrestleMania. Hypersong? No, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> we used to stay in Akil Plaza, and Ivan Koloff uh, was there. And, uh, and it, they, it had, like, a foot and a half for uh, earthquakes, swaying distance. And we're on the top, and I got a fire extinguisher. And I put it under his door, and I hit it, boom, and ha, 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 and I ran away like nothing happened. Fuck, man, those things work. And Ivan was passed out, and the next day it's like snow, like a blanket of snow, and they had to gut the room. And, you know, I lied and said I didn't do it. But, you know, get them. No ticky, no lonely. You're right. Uh, and that was in the 70s. Fuck. Uh, so these guys here, they're going through, it's pretty interesting. They're going, they're coming up kind of the way I did. And they don't get the recognition. Uh, one that they deserve. Two, the chances of them uh, fulfilling their dreams is uh, is a better chance that they're going to fail. But they don't quit. Why don't you quit, Titus? Uh, I just enjoy it, and I feel like uh, I've been getting better ever since I started. So how long have you been wrestling? Uh, for about seven years now. Seven years. What was yeah. your first territory? Uh, for Emil. For Emil. Yeah, in the Maritimes. Like. And what's the biggest territory or biggest town you've ever worked? Um, well, this summer I just came back from a two-month tour in England, working for uh, Brian Dixon. So, okay, yeah, uh, biggest crowd you've ever worked in front of? Uh, probably a couple thousand. Best match? Uh, who? I know they're tough ones. You know, just approximately. There's a guy down home, uh, uh, Cowboy Mike Hughes. He's on the tour with us uh, this week. Uh, me and him can get some pretty good matches going. Yeah. I'd have to say, yeah. Nice, nice. And um, where do you want to go? What do you um, want to do? I don't know what my next move is exactly, but, uh, you know, looking towards the Fed for sure. Like. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't think I, <clears throat> I ever knew what my next move was going to be. Mm. I think that's one of the unknowns, maybe. Mm -hmm. One of the <clears throat> parts you can't be as scared of. Take whatever you can get. Take whatever, yeah, kind of. It's a lot of networking now. Like I'm always, on, I'm always on the internet, meeting people, following whole, up. The whole, the following, the whole social. Yeah, but if I you're not in someone's ear, yeah, I suck you know at that I mean? too, and that's yeah. something that's holding me back for sure. Like so, the whole like media, like you it's know. hard when you're not NASCAR either. 
Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah, man. it is. Got to do it though. You yeah. gotta, you oh, gotta, yeah, you gotta put your yeah. name in someone's ear. You need yeah. they, they're not gonna be thinking about you if you don't do that. How do you get to the WWE? Good question. I don't. know. <laughs> <laughs> they seem to just call when they fucking want you. Yeah. And and like, is there a way that that you guys know of that gets your name there? They hold uh, tryouts probably like once or twice a year. Have you ever gone for a tryout? I've done like the extras where you go in yeah. and just kind of roll around for the day and then they pick you if they want you on the show, yeah. stuff like that. But then I like the hookups I had, that was back in maybe 2008, 9, maybe 10. The hookups I had now or then, they're all changed. So I don't even know who to talk to now. Yeah. You know what I mean? And just, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you kind of have to like meet somebody who can get your name through there. You know what I mean? Because yeah. in England, yeah. what they have, they have scouts. And the scouts shoot your name down to the office. And do you know who the scouts are? Uh, Robbie Brookside right now. Really? So, they got yeah, scouts, huh? Yeah. Drew McDonald was doing it for a bit. and uh, huh. So basically, if you can get on these guys' good side, you yeah. know, like, yeah. your chances are that much better, I guess. Do the does the WWE have scouts? They got a lot of stooges. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I don't know if they have scouts. I've never personally seen a scout at a show well, or something like that. The thing closest scouts I've seen is like during the extra <clears throat> thing, all the agents will stand around the ring and be like, "Okay, kid, you and you get in there." Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's a little intimidating. Oh man. You got to fucking put it out of your mind, and you know. Yeah. <laughs> you want to make a living? You better fucking put it, put yeah. it out there, right? I was told okay. to get in there and just uh, sell. It's like, wrestle around, but I want to see you sell. And I went in there really? and I sold, and then I ended up getting put on the show because I sold good. And, like, without saying any names, uh, you know, protect your future here. Yeah, yeah. But um, was it an agent that told you to sell? Or? Yes. So he told you that's what, I, that's what I'm looking for? Yes, because that's what they were going for the show. I, oh, like what that's I, what I'm looking for that night. Yeah, it was like, uh, it was a match with uh, Snitsky, Gene Snitsky, and he was... Great. Well, he wanted uh, basically. He, it was a. I was a jobber, basically. Yeah. <laughs> Had to make him look good, so. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that, man. Yeah. No. You know, uh, good carpenter's worth his weight in gold. You guys, if uh, you know, for instance, like they couldn't get Hogan over Schnooker. Schnooker was was so good, they couldn't get Hogan past him, so they had to kill Schnooker off to get Hogan past him. And the way they did it, I, I've said the story many times, but. They put Schnooker in a cage match with Morocco, and he did the dive off the top rope, but Morocco won the match. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's like, uh, you know, oof. <laughs> um, uh, you know, and so, like, I've seen some of the extras when I, I go there. I try to go by and say hi, you know, but it's a pretty intimidating oh, yeah. circumstance. Yeah. They got you on their turf. And you know they, you know every time I change, every time you think you know the answers, I change the questions. That comes from our business, is because they that's a way of protection, is they set down the rules and then if you show them up, they just change the rules, yeah. saying no, you were wrong. Yeah, um, which uh, you don't have much control over. The, do you find like do the uh, are there guys that protect you in the business? I Meaning um, like. Uh, Oh, jeez, what's an example? I went uh, I went to the garden the first time when I was about 19. Uh, and just to make it short, they stuffed my bag type pipes with toilet paper so I wouldn't come back. They didn't want me to back. Yeah. And uh, 
I, you know, at first, uh, you know, I got laughed at quite a bit and <laughs> quite a bit of humiliation. But bottom line is, like, there was a guy's named Arnie Skolan, uh, Golden Boy, who was deep in the office there and other guys. And they went, after a while, they went, oh, what a shitty thing to do. And they kind of protected me then after that. You yeah. got guys around that does that for you? Uh, I getting a hard time. Uh, not, not very often, but I mean, yeah, you're getting a hard time with something. There, there are a few down-to-earth people still in the business that'll set you aside and say, you know, just, just wait it on. out or yeah. you know, watch your back. Or fucking. I got yeah. guys I can trust, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Guys you can trust? Yeah. Do you guys talk about your matches in the car, talk about ideas? and? Not anymore. <laughs> no, um, not till the show. It all depends on the card you're doing, you know. I don't know. That's the way I see it. Wow. So you, you, you like? Do you help each other, creating each other, like on a daily basis and on a futuristic basis? Meaning that, like, hey, I saw you do this. That was great. I saw you do this. That was, you know, da da da. Yeah, just feedback from the boys. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> I find. Uh, Generally, a lot of the guys that, that I've worked with, uh, they'll, they'll like uh, watch your matches from backstage, and once you get back, or let's say you're working with them, uh, and they got more experience and stuff, there, there's usually not a problem with them giving you advice and stuff yeah. if you're there to ask. You know, because some yeah. it's like it's all about yeah. the attitude and approach that you have yourself sure. too. You know, you gotta want it. Because some guys think they're, you know, they they almost they try to big league and stuff, but really they're nowheres. You know, and we're all yeah. aiming for the same goal, so why not just look for feedback and ask? You know, so I, th I think I think that uh, the guys from, or at least the way I feel about it, is. I, I don't say anything, but I wish they'd ask. You know, I just don't want to get in their way. But like, yeah. um, and a lot of the guys from my era that I know, I know, like Bobby Orton Jr. for instance, he's great. And if you ask him, he'll sit you down. But if you don't ask, yeah. he won't say a word. But it's it's almost like it's an honor to be asked. Well, uh, like you said, you just can't sit around and fucking wait for it. No, uh, I was taught go. to ask questions. Yeah, if you don't know, yeah. ask. Yeah. You know, yeah. if you want to know, ask. Do you phone? Do you ever go back to guys that broke you in? Email oh, or yeah. Lance, yeah. I'll get uh, Scott, Demont. Scott, Demont, yeah, and talk to them and tell them yep. where you're at all the time. Yeah, Lance, that or he'll ask. <laughs> oh, they'll ask. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Send them a link to a match and ask them. You know, this is what I'm doing now. Like, see, like send them a link to a match. Yeah. Jeez, man, that that's. Uh, I know. You know, we never got to watch our matches. No? So no, yeah, like, I guess not, uh, they were no, no video cameras. <laughs> no, big. nothing. You know, the, you could watch yourself. I could watch uh, Larry Henning beat me in ten seconds, and superstar Billy Graham try to beat that record. <laughs> <laughs> but that's it. You never got to watch yourself. So that must be a great tool to pick up what's going on. Oh yeah, the internet's definitely for that stuff. A lot yeah. of the guys, they they watch their videos to just watch themselves yeah. instead of pick themselves apart. So that's another problem Ooh. I find, you know what I yeah. mean? When people first come up to me and ask me about, they'd say they want to be a professional wrestler, I say to them always, I say, why? And if they tell me, well, you know, I love I love the WWE, I love watching the, in the crowd, brother, that's all the wrong reasons. Gonna make a living. It's all around, <laughs> yeah, for the money. Professional, pro. Yeah. As soon as you put the word pro in front of it, yeah. all bets are off. Yeah. You know, um, and then of course it really helps if you love it. 
you know, but uh, it's to make money, big yeah. money. Otherwise, it's not worth it. I'm busted up, you know, <laughs> <laughs> big time. And so, like, where where are you on the busted up chart, Titus? Are you hurting? Uh, How old are you, Titus? I'm 28 years old. <clears throat> uh, I'm pretty. I'm pretty sore at this point. I have to say, no, <laughs> no major injuries though. Like you know, knock on wood. Yeah. But uh, yeah. Okay. You uh, know, the body definitely feels it. Yeah. Know, lower back, neck pain, oof, knees. Oof, and oof. Are you a high flyer? Yeah. Sometimes. Gotcha. There. Yeah. Yeah. Phil. Uh. Yeah, I, t- I got a torn rotator cuff. I had one. Yeah. Uh, my lower back's a mess. It's always tight. Did you get your rotator cuff fixed? Yes. It's good now. Good that was about like a year ago. I literally, t- I took a lot of time off from the gym. Good for you. I'm still wrestling though. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, that's the one thing like they wouldn't, it was considered um, less than manly to sell an injury or go get one fixed. Yeah. Yeah. Which is just so stupid. You know, the fact that you went and got it fixed is good. So that, and the lower back. It's just always tight, you know. I don't stretch enough. <laughs> stretch. I'll get my workout in, then I'll look at the stretch mat and just be like, "Ah, eh, I'll yeah, do it at home," which never happens. <laughs> yeah. I know. I do the same thing. I do the same thing. And uh, T-bone. Uh, no serious injuries so far, but Good. same thing. A lot of scar tissue built up. A lot of, yeah. you know, a lot of tightness. There's always some kind of constant little irritating pain okay. somewhere in your fucking body or just okay, so drive a normal person insane you know what i mean yeah the long yeah. car rides the long yeah. car rides don't help yeah. oh yeah holy cow planes trains automobiles so okay let's get creative here man. okay what can you guys do what can you say what can you do tell me about yourself what can you do to get ahead what can you do to to get where you want if it's a, I only say WWE because I, that's probably most people TNA. Yeah. Uh, what? How do you get there? How can uh, we help you get there? Last you know, I was told, uh, I was really comfortable in the ring. Uh, I got on microphone. I said, "Well, fuck, you're really comfortable on the mic." You said, uh, "Fuck." No. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe during the promo. I don't know. Said, you're really comfortable. <laughs> But yeah, they all went to the office and came back out, and Regal put his hand on my shoulder, and he's like, well, see these boys around here? They're really fucking big, he said. I said, yeah, I know where you're going with this. Yeah. You know, he's kind of winking and hinting, and I was like, you know, you guys got drug policies here too, right? So like, yeah. I can only grow so much fucking naturally, so. Yeah. That's the... Uh, so they're still... Uh, that was the last uh, bit uh, of advice I got handed to, and I haven't seen them since, but... Yeah. The we'll thing... The thing nowadays is you'll go into like, like camps or whatever they want to call it, and they'll they'll want workers to come and pay money, and there'll literally be like tons of them that all paid like let's say with two hundred bucks or whatever it was, and you'll never really get looked at because there's so many of us, and you know that you're only there for a couple hours or whatever it is, and a lot of people do that, and it's a good way to get noticed. I mean, you get to meet people and network, but on the other hand, if you're doing if you've been wrestling for you ten, gotta, you got to pay to wrestle. You got to pay to like get be seen. Like there's like there's Ring of Honor you camps, me. yeah, Cash and they're all over the place. Ring of Honor, you got to do like there. seminars. They call them seminars sometimes. Who runs the seminars? A different guy, you know. Well, I, Dragon like, Gate USA was coming around and running seminars. Like to, I'd like to get the guys that run the seminars in here and ask them some <laughs> questions. It's like the smile on your face. It's the same conversation <laughs> I had with Lance before I came here. 
Yeah, like, I could go here, but they want this kind of much money. And he's like T Bone. At this point in the day, uh, this point in the game, do you really want to pay to wrestle? No shit. Like, fuck no. <laughs> I get, I get it though. Yeah. I get it. You get, you get a chance to meet people and be seen, but yeah, I got you. Whew. It's the way of the world these days, I guess. It is, huh? It's, yeah, it's just different. So how do you, how do you beat the system? What do you do? What do you do to beat the system? Hoping you could tell me. Well, fuck, I've been fired a lot. You know? <laughs> um, I painted myself half black one time, and that got a that got a rise. <laughs> At least got a bad news brown. It did. Um, you know, um, there's uh, one where, you you know, sometimes it's better to do and take the heat. <laughs> Um, I, I smashed a bottle of beer over my head and it's studio wrestling. And uh, I think you can see this on YouTube. And I smashed a bottle of beer over my head and I didn't tell him what I was going to do. And, you know, it cut me up bad, but it drew a lot of money. And, um, it was like things out of the box that, uh, and I didn't tell nobody though that, you know, that's one of the things I think a lot of guys, it'd be, it's, we had a fraternity, but at the same time, it was very competitive. Each guy, you know, you're feeding yourself. Yeah. It's a fraternity, yeah, but how do you stay main event for 30 years? Yeah. You know, and uh, thinking out of the box, even when you're in the ring, in the tryouts, mm -hmm. doing things that, uh, that normally aren't accepted, you never know what it is. But you gotta have, you got to have the balls to kind of, and the imagination and, and think of things. Like, I would go down the road a lot and... Uh, no, after a while, I dunk like 30 cars and I drink. And so for, for a while, I, I couldn't get anybody right. And uh, it was an uh, 8-track. And I put the 8-track in, and it was a yellow canary, I call it. It was a yellow Lincoln uh, Mark IV or something. And uh, it was big because I hit a lot of shit. And my beer was to the right, and the dome lights were on all times. And I'd drive with my knee, and I had a yellow pad. And I'd listen to rock and roll, and I'd write shit down. Like the the one on YouTube, where you need to take a look at it. Um, Ella Fitzgerald told me this. Ella Fitzgerald was a, a, a lady singer, and uh, like a really good lady singer. She told me this. She said, give them a good beginning and a great ending, and they'll forgive a lot in between. Yeah. And um, uh, so <laughs> going down the road, I can put these two together for you. Going down the road, someplace there was a song. And the line in it was, show down, you bet, I ain't, I ain't even saddled my ponies yet. So I had that in my back pocket as a finish line. And it was a, a match, a cage match. And so I took this bottle of beer in the same interview and pop. But then you can see me, now that you know what the line is when you see it, I knock myself out on my feet. <laughs> and I kind of, you know, and show down and ponies. And showed out, and I tried like three, four times. You watch it in about a minute and a half, not even a minute and a half, a minute. And finally, I got it out in some undistinct fashion. And the fact was, though, it proved the fact that, yeah, the guy just wonked himself. Yeah. And so people went, Did you see what he did? And that yeah. spread. Yeah. The thing with Half Black, it was, I was walking down, I think it was a Hoosier Dome. It was three o'clock in the afternoon. And Pat Patterson and Vince and Bad News Brown came out of, like, door number three. 
and just said, come here. And uh, I could feel the tension in there. And they said, we want you to wrestle Bad News Brown. I think it was a WrestleMania uh, in the Sky Dome. And it was like this 15 minutes, 15 second pregnant pause. And I just looking and I said, I won't paint myself half black. <laughs> Hang on. And Bad News Brown looks over, you know, big eyes. And Vince looks at me and says, I love you. Unquote. <laughs> and um, the reason I did that was, it had nothing to do. Nelson Mandela just got, got out of jail. Cindy Lauper had a song of True Colors. But the reason I did it in the 15 seconds, what I was thinking was, Bad News Brown was a great judo player, but just kind of a bland wrestler. I'm going to have to do 90 interviews about this guy. What am I going to say? I'll paint myself half black. And I didn't get any further in my thought track. I just knew I needed to do a bunch of interviews with him. Yeah. Well, then I put the <clears throat> interviews together. So the point is that it was so off the wall that people, whoa, you got to do something like that. Yeah. Not necessarily those those particular ones, but you got to think out of the box where nobody else nobody else is thinking that way, and it makes you stand out because when you do it and execute it, uh, whoa, you got to take a look at this. That's another way instead of having to whew, to follow the system and go through the system is be creating something that nobody else has got. You know, um, there was nobody else playing the bagpipes. Uh, so in, uh, in L.A., and I know some of you folks have heard these, but these kids here, uh, you ought to see them, man. You know, they, they, they're, they're beautiful. Their eyes, they're, they're hardcore, and they're just, they woke up first thing in the morning to do this rod pod. They had no idea they were doing it, and they're here to expand their careers. And I, I want that to happen for them because uh, this is what our, our business is built on. Um, I forgot what I was saying. What was I saying? You never listened to me, Cole. Thinking outside the box. Thinking outside the box. Thinking outside the box. Yeah. And, and, balls and, you you know, know, yeah, and the balls <clears> going <throat> for it. Like, Titus, if you just boom, if you could, what would you do? It doesn't have to be good. Boom, what would you do? I, I don't even know, man. I just go out there and do my thing, I guess, you know, try to get the crowd going. But if I were to stand out with something, uh, I don't even really know. I, I've i done a bunch of stuff. I mean, I got three different gimmicks I do. I wear, I do a, like a, a Lucha Libre gimmick called yeah. Supremo Fantastico. Uh, I was Black Bushy in Japan for a little bit with the mask. Yeah. And then uh, my normal thing fell Atlas. And I just kind of, whoever needs this, whoever needs that, there's just more options to get booked, you know. I see. And maybe sometimes if I work twice if someone wants. Yeah. One is my other stick and then... You know what I mean? Just any yeah, way to make good, money. Good. That's the way I'm thinking outside the box. I don't know. What are you, what are you doing? What are you thinking? Uh, just looking back on things I've done and like promos I've cut, I think I'm much better off just speaking your mind and not being afraid of what everyone fucking thinks all the time. Yeah. Because yeah. uh, it's a little nerve wracking, especially when you got a, a big room full of professionals sitting down asking you to speak. Yeah, it uh, is. And the most creative stuff I usually get out of my lips is just sitting down having a beer and, and having a good time, you know? When you relax. Like, yeah. Get yourself in that mind frame. Even if you're standing in front of two people or 20,000 people, I think to relate to, uh, to relate to people and just be real. Yeah. So if you're that, not coming from the heart, they can tell it. Yeah. Exactly. You know, uh, long story short. It's, it's, it's true. If, uh, 
and it, it doesn't have to be like my my particular examples were like I, I've uh, asked uh, an arena full of uh, Hispanic people to stand up for the Mexican national anthem. <laughs> I played La Cucaracha. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> Just a little too much attention on that That's one. That's the kind of shit you need, though. Yeah, yeah. Boy, one of the greatest riots that yeah. year ever. Um, but and it doesn't necessarily have to be something where you're pissing people off. No. It's just something. And it's not a one-time thing. It's uh, where you're always... You're always doing new stuff. Pulling you know? strings or yeah, tapping into yeah. emotions. Or? Yeah, you know, like when you when you talk about uh, when you're working and you talk about working uh, and for the people, you know, instead of working for them, make them work for you. Yeah. Uh, instead, you know, take them on a ride. Uh, do you think that way when you go in? Do you think like when any when you go in? What are you thinking? When you're just ready to go in, do you watch the matches before? Do you? What are you thinking when you first go in the ring? Where's your head at? Getting everybody's attention. Yeah. And I like. I do like to watch the matches before, because I like to know what they've done, what's working, how the people are reacting. And I yeah. kind of just go from there. Yeah. I've already got yeah. my ideas and stuff, but gotcha. I want to. I'm going. I'm going for the people. I'm looking at the people. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what are you thinking? Yeah. I think it like uh, one big thing is like the second you you get out of those curtains or whatever you know like the first impression that you have on people, um, and after that just like really really interact with the crowd as much as you can. Like uh, a lot of the guys now they just go through moves and moves That's, and moves and mm -hmm. spots and spots. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, I, I think like the, the crowd like involving the crowd. Is uh, is definitely a huge thing that's overlooked nowadays. I'm always thinking about what the story. What's the story we're trying to tell here? Yeah. What 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 do we what do we what the story? What we're trying to tell? Yeah. And I always go back to with well, us, you know, go back to the main idea of the match. What yeah. we're trying to get over, like whether you, whatever it might be. Like Phil was saying too, is like keep your eye on other guys' matches, you know, like just to switch things up a bit instead of every match being the same. Know, yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. When you, uh, like sometimes I'll come out at the first match, uh, the match before me was a real barn burner. I'll start on a one. You know, if it sucked, I might start on a six and go back to a two. Um, but, but still, it's taking them for a ride instead of them taking you for a ride. Yeah. Or taking them for a story instead of them taking you for a story. And uh, when you're saying that, like, go out and doing spots, um, I can hear you writing. <laughs> I say, meet me in room. Oh, I got ten minutes left in the room. Yep. Really? Mm -hmm. Yeah, they do news in here. Tell them I'll do the news with these guys. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Weather report. Yeah. Um, ten minutes left. Uh, okay. Titus, tell me anything you want to tell me. Tell me any, or not me. Tell them people out there, uh, the scouts, and you know what? I, I, just a little word of advice. That, you know, don't get too too political, but tell them what you want to tell them. Tell them where you are. Tell them what you're doing. Tell them what pisses you off. Uh, Ask them why, whatever it is. Yeah, th things that piss me off, maybe, like uh, you were just saying a while ago, like how a lot of the guys make it to the top 
without really going through the really gritty of it all like we're doing right now yeah and uh, i think like these kind of experiences are like really important for guys to to maybe make it further in the business and understand like locker rooms and how how it is to travel with people that you've never met before and that kind of stuff right there yeah and uh at the same time we might not be in the in the big league right now but we do have a lot of fun and uh, the experiences and <clears throat> everything we're going through right now are definitely things to remember and yeah you know you're building allies too yeah yeah you're meeting a lot of people getting different connections uh meeting good people some fucking idiots too you know what i mean like, <laughs> that's all part of it though yeah, that's all part of it you learn to deal with those guys yeah, and we yeah. know yeah you learn to just get over in the locker room and stuff and that's like a whole a, art to itself yeah yeah a lot of it is everything but what's going on in the ring you know what i mean it's yeah. the traveling with the guys staying in the rooms talking about Did whatever you, ever get you want uh not so much not so much good you know i i have bad days i do uh like I haven't been home in like three months right now. Oof. I'm kind of looking forward to go back home for a bit. Yeah. But I know once I'm home, I'm definitely gonna be one of you doing this yeah. again as <laughs> soon as possible, right? Yeah. So, Are you married? I uh, know I have a girlfriend down home though. Back home. Yeah. Three months. Yeah. Oof. She sorry. No kids. Yeah. That I know of. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've been married thirty years. October twelfth. I know of being away from your. Oof. Tell them what you want to tell them, Phil. Um, well, basically, I think if anything's going to happen with my career, it's going to send me to the next level. It's got to happen in the next, let's say, three, four years. I'm 27 right now. Yeah. Uh, I know they don't even really, I heard they don't even look at guys over 30. You know I mean, I got 10 years. I got a lot of experience under my belt. Yeah. You know, I just, I feel it needs to happen within the next three years. They say you make most of your money between 30 and 40 for the record. Do that, uh, yeah, for sure. And I believe that, you know, uh, yeah. you need ten years to ne just learn to learn what you're doing. Yeah, you know, anything less than that, you're. Uh, I don't know if you that you've earned it. Going with that, you, perfecting your craft yeah, and just getting just getting experience time, points, you know, and uh, able to draw money being the secret. Yeah, you know. Um, scouts and all these people and all that we've been talking about networking you're one of the better networkers what's your twitter at phil atlas which twitter uh what you <laughs> you're like me you don't even have a fucking <laughs> twitter, <do you? laughs> um well we need to get you a twitter what's a twitter name for uh titus be a good at titus yeah maybe Something maybe like working on it you what know, are you thinking? Definitely gonna have to. That's for sure. Yeah. Uh, that's one thing I learned this summer is that, uh, you know, just the social, you know, the social media and all that stuff. Like, it's definitely uh, something I'm gonna have to pick up. Yeah. Like ASAP. You know. Well, let's start now. I'm saying. At Titus. Start one. At Titus. You can always change. Tonight. <laughs> Tonight. Why not? Yeah, yeah, we could do that. Yeah. <laughs> I'll help you. We'll you sit down. <laughs> when you go out in the ring, say your uh, say your new Twitter name. Phil's gonna have to help me out with that. Yeah, we'll sit here. down. We'll All get right. it done. There you go. <laughs> All right, get you up on Twitter, and we'll say it tonight. I'll say your damn name tonight, man. I'll say at Titus, and force you into it. There we go. Get you up <laughs> and rolling. Um, 
What do you got, man? T Bone, Tom T Bone Haynes. Um, Haynes, rather. I don't know. I've been doing this for about six years now. Not as much as the boys here, but uh, very confident in what yeah. I do. Yeah. You know, I know I'm getting better as time goes on. The more experience I get, otherwise I would have gave this up a long time ago. You feel like you're getting ahead. Yeah, and it's not even that. I mean, if if uh, I do make a lot of money and create a good future for myself, uh, it doesn't really matter because I was a bit of a case before I got into this. Okay. A lot of drugs, ending up in lockup, a lot of fighting, a lot of a lot of bullshit. You know what I mean? So yeah. How you doing on that? Once, oh, perfect. That's what I mean. That's what I'm good getting job. to. Uh, once I found Lance at school, I tried to clean up and get in shape and get athletic. You know what I mean? And good and, for you, man. Took about two or three months of cleaning up before I could even show my face there, but really took me off of that road and put yeah, me on boy. another. So <laughs> I mean, I've uh, been a lot on of all those roads. Yeah, a lot of guys get in this business clean and then they get all yeah. fucked up and they're dead at 25. But it's kind of yeah. had to, it's kind of had to reverse expect, uh, effect on me. Yeah, well, that's good. Yeah, that's good. Like uh, I was talking about Adrian's chest. So many stretch marks. It looked like a road map out for state New York. That's what my, <laughs> that's what my brain looks like. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of stretch marks on the brain. Um, thank you for coming down here. Thank you. And doing thank this. You thanks, for thanks for having us. Yeah, here, I, I didn't I, expect this waking up this morning. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> yeah. And you know, um, I'll take it and and edit it. But you know, more than that, we'll go to the matches tonight, and then maybe there's some place after the matches we could just get another shot from you. So uh, because yeah. you'll be fresh off the match. Yep. I don't know. I'll record you some way. Cool. And we'll let the people know and set it to watch for you. Because you know uh, these guys, some of the some of the greatest talent in the world never gets discovered. And um, and what happens is they they just don't get that break, uh, and they run out of heart or run out of life. Um, may all your dreams come true. I uh, thank you so much for coming down. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Uh, thank you. Titus, Phil Atlas. Tom T-Bone Hane, Colton Toombs. You didn't yeah. say a lot. I didn't really give you a chance to. Yeah, I wouldn't. Yeah. You know, was that? <laughs> yeah, you okay there? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's been with his dad for a couple weeks now. How's that? It, How's that going? Felt like purgatory. Pretty terrible. Okay, well, good. You know, we have a little... <laughs> Aruba must have been nice. <laughs> yeah, well, first class to Aruba. You know, working out. Okay, it's terrible. I've been making the yeah. most of that. <laughs> he, make, he only gives you the good parts. Yeah, <laughs> you damn right, so I'm going to give you the good parts. And uh, Stomp and Tom Connors and this radio station, K Rock. Thank you, sir. I'm sorry, your name? Richard. Richard. Richard the Lionhearted here, putting it all together. It's as uh, hardcore as it gets, and I like it that way. Um, watch for these guys. Watch for them, because I'm going to. I'll leave you with an Irish poem. For those who love us, may God bless them. For those who don't, may God turn their hearts. And if he can't turn their hearts, may he turn their ankles so we recognize them by their limb. I'll see you someplace. I have no fucking idea where I'm going to be next. <laughs> Bye-bye. <laughs>